If you didn't make it this year, you want to make it next year. I just, just letting you know. Uh, we're going to spend the next three weeks talking about prayer. But this week, we're going to spend the next 30 minutes talking about prayer. Because that's how much I've got. Uh, but, uh, and today is going to kind of be sort of a potpourri, sort of, sort of a catch-all. But hopefully, it'll be some things that will uh, that'll benefit you. Next week, we're going to do the Lord's Prayer. It's not the one you think it is, though. Uh, and then... Uh, and then the third week, Barbie's going to have some, some things to bring you as well. But would you stand with me? We're going to read uh, from Matthew chapter 6, a few verses. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room. Close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Father, I thank you that you know what we need and what we need is you. Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would be here this morning, that you would touch each heart, that our ears would be open to hear what you are saying to us. And I pray, Lord God, that, that, that this next half hour would change our lives, would change the way that we interact with you, which is going to change the way we interact with the world, with each other. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. In the beginning, prayer was, uh, was quite simple. There was Adam. There was Eve, and there was God. And if, uh, <laughs> yeah, and if you think God looks a little bit like Morgan Freeman, it works for me. I, you know, he, uh, you were expecting Charlton Heston, maybe, I don't know. God's fine with that. Um, you know, they were in the garden. God came and visited with them every day. Um. Uh, Hey, Adam, how you doing? Hey, honey, God's here. You know, I'll be there in a minute. I'm putting my makeup on. <laughs> you know, God and Adam would just talk to each other. And Eve, and you know, God, how you doing, Adam? Well, I'm doing great. You know, God, I'm thinking the lions are really going to do good this year. <laughs> well, they're, <laughs> they're a little young. I'm thinking maybe the bears, Adam, you know. Uh, <laughs> but we all know what happened. I mean, you know, I, I, can, you, can you imagine God telling Adam, saying, look, I got, I got something I need to tell you. There's a rule. Rule, what's that? Well, it's, it's something that you're supposed to do. Oh, okay. Or in this case, something you're not supposed to do. You see, all of the trees and all the plants in the garden, they're yours, except for one. That one right there, don't eat from that tree. That's the rule? Yeah, that's the rule. <laughs> I thought it was going to be hard. We can do that. But of course, they couldn't do that, could they? And the darkness fell. And after the darkness fell, prayer became a much more difficult proposition. Because not only did they not see God face to face, not only was there not that personal contact on a daily basis, but as I've told you before, when you, when you sin against someone, when you do something 
wrong to someone, that someone is the last person you want to see. You really don't want to talk to them. And in fact, there's an interesting, there's an interesting verse over in uh, uh, chapter 5, I believe it is, of Genesis, where it, uh, it says, it talks about the time finally coming when men called on the name of the Lord. And so that kind of leads you to believe that there was maybe a period there when men just didn't even try to do that. You see, it really doesn't matter what you do or don't know about prayer. Really, the, it's a fairly simple proposition. It really doesn't matter what you do or don't know about prayer if you don't pray. If you don't, just do it. And prayer is a two-way street. Prayer is communication. Do any of you know anybody who, when you go to see them or when you talk to them on the phone or whatever, you know as soon as you meet that person, I'm not going to get to say anything. Because they're just going to, you know, the whole time. You know anybody like that? Don't you just love to be around those people? No. And we're created in God's image. And I think God kind of has the same take on some things that we do. So I think there are some times in the midst of prayer that he would like for us to just shut up and listen. But it's a two-way street. It's talking to God is simply all that it is. Where there is no talking, where there is no communication, there is no relationship. You can't have a relationship with someone that you don't communicate with. It's just that simple. When she stops taking your calls, that's a bad sign. It means that this relationship isn't going anywhere. It means we don't have a future together. When husband and wife stop talking... It's a bad sign. You know, people, people communicate in different ways, and people have, uh, you know, some people are a little dour and, in the way that they communicate, but they communicate. You know, and some people are, uh, are bubbly, and some people are, <laughs> so, some people are humorous in the way that they communicate. Some people yell. You know, and, and, and sometimes uh, there are some couples that if you spend any time with them, you'd think, oh, good grief, they're not, oh, this is terrible. No, that's just how they talk to each other. But they're talking. It's when they quit talking. It's when, it's when the communication ends that they've, that they've got big problems. Sometimes people say, well, I don't know how to pray. Yes, you do. You just communicated something. If you're, if you're able to communicate, I don't know how to pray, that means I can take words and make people understand what I'm feeling inside. That's what prayer is. That, that's really all that it is. Well, I have to kind of get on my horse and ride here. I want to talk about, I want to start off talking about how not to pray. Like I say, there's a pretty... Um, Prayer is a pretty rudimentary thing, but there are a few, there are a few things that you need to know, a few things that you need to uh, uh, know to do, and a few things that you need to know not to do. Um, and there once was a time, I think, where it really wasn't all that important to necessarily talk about what not to do because everybody knew what not to do. But now there's so little prayer that goes on, and there's been so much bad teaching about prayer that let me start off with what not to do. First of all, not like a hypocrite. Now, let me say this. If you honestly care about whether or not you are a hypocrite, 
then you almost certainly are not one. On the other hand, if you are very concerned about whether or not other people are a hypocrite, then you almost certainly are one. That's just a little barometer there, a little uh, um, uh, litmus test that you, can, that you can do in your own life. There were those who prayed publicly in Jesus' day in order to gain influence in the eyes of men. And you've probably heard about them. For the most part, they were called Pharisees. But they'd come out, they'd have their robes on and everything. And they, they would, when, when they got ready to pray, they would often go out into a, a public place wearing their robe, <clears throat> uh, preparing their voice, projecting nicely, praying these beautiful prayers so that people would have to look at them and go, wow. Of course, fortunately, no one ever does that anymore. Now they wear suits. I can't see anybody's heart, okay? And, and I certainly can get into trouble here where I'm, where I'm treading. Uh, so I'm not judging anybody's heart, but please understand that people are people. And the same things that motivated people in Jesus' day still motivate people today. Just because someone has a beautiful prayer publicly doesn't necessarily mean that they're a man of God or a woman of God. You just need to know that. I mean, I'm not trying to turn everybody into a cynic, but I'm, I'm trying to keep everybody from, what's the opposite of cynic? Gullible. Yeah. I'm trying to keep us from totally going there. But not like a hypocrite. You see, it, because if you're, if, you're, if you're praying like a hypocrite, you're not really praying at all. You're performing for an audience rather than praying to God. Prayer is a matter of the heart. We don't pray to, to show how spiritual we are. Because once again, if you're praying to sh- so, that, so that people look at you and go, wow, I need to vote for him to, as a deacon or something. I mean, you know, he needs to, we need to have him take up the offering, I, you know, something like that. You know, if, if you're praying so that, so that people will see how, how spiritual you are, once again, you're not praying to God. You're performing for an audience. We don't pray with a proud heart. If you think that God owes you something, then you're way, way, way off base already. None of us is remotely close to being in a position of saying God owes me something, to being in in as much of a position at saying God owes me something as Job was. Job was, the Bible said he was a righteous man, that he was righteous in all of his ways. Didn't mean to do that. We'll go back. That he was a righteous man, that, that, that he, was, he was generous, he was good to the poor, he was, he was kind, he, he did what was right, he was a, a faithful father, a faithful husband, he was a praying man, and what did he get for all of his trouble? Well, all of his kids were killed in one day. All of his stuff was stolen. Everything he owned was taken away from him, and his health was completely broken. So, you know, is, is anybody in that position yet? Anybody who's lived a perfect life and now has had all that taken away from you? No, of course not. Job was. 
And yet when Job encountered God, when Job finally saw God, when Job finally heard from God, what Job had to say was, my ears had heard about you and now my eyes have seen you and I despise myself and I repent in dust and ashes. You don't owe me anything. You don't owe me an explanation. You don't owe, I I was just, just don't pay any attention to the words I was saying because I, I had no idea what I was talking about. We don't come to God with a proud heart. Scripture says, though the Lord is on high, he looks upon the lowly, but the proud he knows from afar. If you come come to God with a proud heart, if you come to God thinking, you know, you owe me this or or, or, I, I need to get that or I deserve that, the truth of the matter is there's no way you can be intimate with God because God doesn't know those people on an intimate basis. He knows them from afar. And so when you hear people singing or, or talking or preaching about, oh, it's so just so sweet to be in the presence of the Lord. You don't know anything about that. Because God knows the proud in heart from afar. It says over in 1 Peter 5.5, 5, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. In fact, it also says that in James 4.6. And both of them are quoting Proverbs 3, 4. Exactly the same thing. If God tells us exactly the same thing three times through the mouths of three different witnesses in his word, think that's maybe something that he wants us to understand? God opposes the proud. You come to God in your pride, and not only is he not going to go, well, you're right, I'll do it. No, he's going to go, whoa. Because you need to be taught a lesson. And he is such a good lesson teacher. There's the hard way and there's the easy way. And the easy way is to go, well, he said it three times. I better pay attention to it. But he gives grace to the humble. Those who come to him in humility, they find find stuff they didn't even know they were looking for. Jesus told a parable over in... uh, in Luke chapter 18, most of you are familiar with the parable. It's the parable of the Pharisee and the, and the tax collector. <laughs> and uh, the Pharisee comes in, and they're both praying at, at the temple, and the Pharisee prays, I thank you, God, that I am not like other men. I'm not a sinner. I'm not a poor man. I'm not a woman. Not my words, that's, that's what they would be thinking in those days. I say, Thank you, God. I am wonderful me. And I thank you, God, that I'm not like that tax collector over there. <laughs> I know he's a sinner. <laughs> Don't even know what he's doing here. And the tax collector couldn't even look up, Jesus said. Couldn't even raise his head. All he could do is just beat his chest and say, Lord, have mercy. Have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. Jesus said one of those went home justified. And it wasn't wonderful me. It was the one who only knew the words, have mercy. I'm a sinner. He says, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. One more don't. 
we're not to pray to satisfy our sinful desires. And it's not always a car. I, you know, I put that up there because that's not an area I have a problem with. And I figure maybe some of you do. So I put it up there for you. Just to spark your... I mean, there are other areas I do have a problem with I could have put up there, but I ain't going to. James says, you do not have because you do not ask God. And that's oftentimes where we stop and go, well, you just need to ask God. You'll have. Uh, You also need to read the rest of the paragraph. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. That you may spend what you get on your pleasures. God doesn't mind you having pleasure. He just minds your life being so full of pleasure that there's no room for Fruit, growth, meaning, him. And if we had our way, we would get so much stuff that there wouldn't be any room for him. It's just that simple. Sometimes, I mean, a parent who gives their kid all of the candy they want is a bad parent. At some point, you have to go, no, that's enough. And like I say, you know, there's been, there's been a lot of teaching that basically, man, if you'll just believe it and you'll, and you'll go after it, you can have it. No, you can't. Because God's not a bad parent. And you're not smart enough to know what the best thing is for you all the time. Now, if you'll, if you'll focus on God and let him give you the desires of your heart, then you'll be asking for godly things. And yeah. Yeah, but when you come asking just simply to satisfy your own selfish desires with the wrong motive, those are the don'ts. Let's talk about some do's. They're more fun. First of all, let me just say, public prayer is absolutely okay. Uh, I wasn't trying to say earlier that you shouldn't pray in public. It's often modeled in Scripture. Moses uh, prayed publicly when when Joshua and the troops were fighting the, uh, the, the... Amalekites, I believe it was, uh, Moses would pray up on the mountain. And when he had his hands up, Joshua and the troops were winning. And when he had his hands down, Joshua and the troops were losing. Guess what Joshua and the troops wanted him to do? Have his hands up. Yeah, let's have, let's have a little public prayer there, Moses. Let's see some demonstration of this going on. And of course, you know, he also had some people helping him, holding, holding his hands. Isaac used to say, it was Aaron and, and a woman. Uh, it, was act, it was actually Aaron and her, but that's H U R, not H E R. And uh, and 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 when uh, when Korah's rebellion came against Moses, and uh, God began to, uh, killed the guys who were who were there with Korah and began to uh, spread a plague throughout the camp. I mean Moses publicly hit the ground, began to cry out for Israel. And let me tell you, nobody wanted him to stop because he was what stood between them and death. When Solomon dedicated the temple, which is what that's supposed to to represent right there, that was a a public prayer. It is fine. Sometimes there is definitely a place for a public prayer in a political setting to be done publicly. That's, you know, that, that, that'll work too. I'm not saying, like I said, I can't see a person's heart, uh, 
So it's definitely not just off grounds. Jesus prayed prayers of blessings over food and prayed prayers of blessings over his children. Your children need to hear you pray out loud. That's how they learn how to pray. They, they, they need to hear that. If, you're, if your kids rarely or never hear you pray out loud and rarely, I'm talking to you guys, and rarely and never see you kiss your wife, you're bad daddy. You, they need to see both of those things. And they need to see them often. Because they need to see that's how it's done. That's, that's how they are brought up. It's what, it's what they need to see. And so, yeah, especially your family needs to be hearing you pray. Your kids need to hear you pray. They need to know that you do. Of course, my dad was a pastor, and, and I heard him pray publicly a lot of times. But, you know, one of the things I really appreciate about my dad, and the older you get, the more you appreciate. And I'm almost old enough that I can actually, yeah, but... The uh, was the fact that I'd hear him pray publicly, but I'd hear him pray publicly in private. Rhonda understands what I'm saying. You know, I'd hear him pray publicly. I mean, he's just going through the house. You know, I'm, 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 I'm sitting in the living room watching television or something, and I hear, my dad's walking down the hall. Thank you, Jesus, Lord. That was good. I'm going, where? where? You know, he's just talking to him. Yeah, that's, that's a heritage. It doesn't cost you any money to give that to your children. All it does is it costs you the fact that you need to take the time to have a relationship with God. Also, private prayer is essential. That's where the intimacy takes place. That's where, that's where it really gets sweet. That's where it's close. This has always been key in the devotional lives of God's greatest heroes. Daniel's custom was to pray privately in his room three times a day. Go up to his room, open the window toward Jerusalem, kneel down, pray three times a day. You should have, you should have set aside holy time in your life each day. Should be. Now, we're going to... There's more to it than that, but I'm just telling you, you should have that every day. I, I do. It's, uh, and, you know, it, it kind of depends on who you are and how, how you function. I don't do it. I'm not a kneel down, bow your head kind of guy and pray. I'm a kneel down, bow your head kind of guy and go to sleep. That's, that's what I am. So my, my set-aside prayer time with the Lord is when I'm walking peanuts. Because it's great. We're just out there and he doesn't ever interrupt me or, or say anything at all. We're just, we're just be bopping along talking to God. And every now and then I'll just tell him, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, you know, it, I'm not saying that you got to let your dog hear you pray. But, you know, every now and then I'll give him the benefit of that. Let him hear something out loud. But at, virtually every day I'm going to go walk that dog for his benefit and for my benefit. And that's an excellent time for me to pray because I don't have my phone. There's nobody else around. And, you know, I've got about a 30, 40-minute window there where I can just talk to God, and he can talk to me. The best decisions I have made in this church over the last seven years, and that's how long I've had peanut and been walking him, have been decisions, things that I heard from God walking that dog. Because that's when I'm listening. 
It's when I'm, when I'm talking and it's when I'm listening. And you need a set-aside time in your day, and maybe more than one. Daniel took three, but you need a set-aside time because if you don't do it, it won't happen. I mean, unless you're just a weirdo. But if you're like me and you're like most other people, if you don't have that blocked off, then it's not. If you, if you go into your day going, sometime today I'm probably going to pray. No, you're not. You need to know where that block is and head for it. Paul told the Corinthians that he spoke in tongues more than all of them. Yet he made it clear that in public, he'd rather speak five words in his own language than 10,000 words in tongues. Okay, when was he speaking in tongues? In private. It's by himself. And, and, you know, and sometimes people go, well, what's that all about? Why would you speak in tongues in private? Because there are times when you just get close to the Lord, and he's kind of getting a little close to you, and you just, you just, you just you don't have the words anymore. I mean, you want to you, you wanna say something, but you don't know what it is. And, and, and those are the times when it's best that just let the Holy Spirit take over. Come on, guy. Just, just get out of the way and let the Holy Spirit take over. And you may kind of go, well, what if you don't know what you're saying? He knows what you're saying, and you know what you're feeling. And what you're feeling is deep calls to deep. And it's, it's a beautiful, wonderful thing. And, and, and Jesus, Scripture says over in Luke 5.16, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Let me uh, close out with a few, well, three really sort of general kind of random questions here. But but one of them is, what about reverence? You know, we tend to think that if we're going to pray, we've got to get in this, we've got to get in the prayer zone. We've got to get in this kind of holy space before I can come before God and and say anything to him. You know, uh, what is... I've got to get in the mood to say, most gracious heavenly father. And maybe most gracious heavenly father isn't the way the prayer is supposed to start. I mean, is that who you are? Maybe daddy God is the way it's supposed to start. The the, the thing is, you be real. And when he gets close to you, the the reverence will get taken care of. You know, what? That's not going to become an issue. And he's not threatened. You know, it's not cool necessarily to just be totally flipped with God. But, you know, if that's all you know, he'll take that. And he'll take you into knowing something else. (laughs) I loved it. I guess three weeks ago. Was that when you took up the offering, Brad? Three, four weeks ago. I loved it when he came out and took up the offering, man. You know, in the early service, you know, he comes out and he goes, uh, uh, well, we're going to talk to you all about this money we're going to take from you. <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, I hope he does that in the second service. Because that's, that's who he is. You know? And, and for him to come to God and go, well, most gracious heavenly Father. No, that's not. You know, and for me to come to God and go, what's up, God? You know, that's not me. You know, you've got to be who you are. You be who you are, and God will take care of letting you know who he is. And that'll, that'll, handle, that'll take care of the reverence issue as well. 
What about this uh, praying without ceasing thing? Over in uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.17, it says pray continually. What does that mean? Well, you see, I, I was telling you that earlier that you need to have pockets in the day or a pocket anyway when you go, this is, this is where I pray. This is my prayer time. That's one side of prayer. The other side of prayer is this. When Margaret and I go off somewhere together, which is really about the only time that we spend an entire day together, so we've gone off on a trip or something, we don't talk the whole time. But she's there, and I'm there, and we talk some of the time, and if we've got something to say, we say it. And that's what a continual stream of prayer is. You know, you have that set aside time, but you also have that time. You have this awareness throughout the entire day. He's here. He's here. I I can talk to him while I'm checking out at at Home Depot. I can talk to him while I'm mowing the grass. I can talk to him while I'm brushing my teeth. My friend Phil Nelson was telling me when he was in school about this guy. And some of you heard me share this before, but it bears saying again, who if you, if you wanted anybody to pray for you, this was the guy you wanted to pray for you. I mean, everything he prayed for happened. And they were, uh, one, of the, one of the students asked him, said, well, how long do you pray? And his answer was, well, <laughs> you know, here's the, here's the deal. I never pray more than five minutes, and I never go more than five minutes without praying. And it's that, it's that constant conversation that's going on with God that, you, that you're supposed to take through the day. And then finally, your prayers don't have to be long, but they need to be persistent. Over in Luke chapter 18, Jesus told a parable of the persistent widow, and, and most of you are familiar with it. It's uh, this widow came to an unjust judge to get justice, and he couldn't be bothered, you know. And so she came to the back to the unjust judge to get justice, and he couldn't be bothered. So she came back to the unjust judge to get justice, and he couldn't be bothered. She came back to the unjust judge to. You were in the early service. Okay. Yeah, you see, I'm going to keep saying that till y'all learn it. She came back to the unjust judge to yeah, I get close to lunchtime and people learn quick. <laughs> and he finally says, you know, I'm not afraid of God. I'm not afraid of man. And I'm sure not afraid of you, but you are wearing me out. I'm going to do what you want. I'm going to give you justice. And it says at the beginning of that parable that Jesus told his disciples this parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. There's been teaching that's gone out today that when you pray, you need to pray, put that faith out there, pray in faith, believe it, and then you walk away. Because if you come back and pray for it again, that means you just didn't have enough faith the first time you prayed for it. <laughs> Wrong. Bah, bah. The Bible says you keep pushing, you keep pushing, you keep asking, you keep moving in, 
You keep, you keep going for it because, you know, sometimes God's trying to teach you something in your prayers. Sometimes he's trying to, come on, come on. You, you really want this? You're not going to appreciate it if you get it the first time. You come, come on, come on, come on. And there, and I, I would dare to say that virtually everybody here, especially those who are of a certain age, that virtually everybody here has something that you used to pray for. And you let it drop. That you used to take to God. And you finally went, nah, I'm tired of this. And I know he's tired of hearing it. No, he's not. No, he's not. So, well, maybe I'm praying for something I'm not supposed to get. He'll give you a release. You won't get worn out. You'll have a... You'll have something inside where you know, okay, it's time to stop. Yeah. Something that's clearly from him, and it's not, that feels very different from giving up. Doesn't feel like giving up at all, in fact. And one of the things that I think God wants to say, wants to remind us of today is, what the Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just bring to people's remembrance what it is. What it is that you put in their heart so long ago and that they used to bring to you and, and they abandoned it somewhere back there. Or bring it to their remembrance again. And let the Word of God prompt you to go, okay, I'm coming back with it. I'm, I'm coming back with it and I'm coming back with it and I'm coming back with it. See, here's the beautiful thing. I'll close with this. I'm already over time. It, Here's the beautiful thing. Uh, you know, when we think of coming before God, we often think in terms of, of, of Esther coming before the king. And it's like, boy, if he's not in a good mood, <laughs> I'm going to be, I'm going to be toast. But all right, we're, we're going to try to, I'll, oh, I'm really not even worthy to come before God yet. Yes, you are. The writer of Hebrews says that we're supposed to come boldly before the throne of grace. We don't come in pride. We don't come going, God, I deserve this. But, but we're supposed to come like, like we're his children. He has time for us. It's the throne of grace. There's more there than you can possibly imagine. Come. Would you stand with me? Those who are going to pray with people, come down this morning. And if you've got something, and you know, especially if it's something that you have had prayed for before, but it's still hanging out there, especially if it's something that you've gone, man, people get tired of seeing me go down there. They know why I'm going down there because it's always the same. They know it. No, they don't. No, they don't. If you've got something that that needs to get settled, needs to get resolved. Or maybe it's the first time. Maybe you just got a, an acute situation right now. God answers prayer. The throne of grace is, is here. It's, it's, it's here. So we're going to worship for a few moments, and we'll, we'll wait for you. And if you don't know Christ as your Savior, that's the greatest throne of grace you could possibly find. I heard an old, old story. How a Savior came from glory, gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. He'll save a wretch like you too.
We'll worship for a few moments. If you don't need to come, you worship because you're going to create an atmosphere where the Holy Spirit can do more for those who do need to come. Small in my eyes, oh Lord, forgive me. And I have believed in a lie that you were unable to help me. But now, oh Lord, I see my wrong. My heart, show yourself strong, and in my eyes and with my song, oh Lord, be magnified, oh Lord, be magnified, I small in my eyes. God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, sent His Son into the world to open up the way into glory, to open up the way into the throne of grace so that we might come boldly. May you find that way. May you experience the throne of grace this week. 
And may it be an experience that changes your life. And may you carry it with you all the days of your life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.